Well, hello there, and welcome to the My Adoption Coach podcast, where I give you the step-by-step support and guidance you need on your domestic adoption journey. My name is Amanda. I'm an adoptive mom of two on a mission to make your adoption easier, faster, and more affordable because no one should walk the adoption journey alone. Well, hello there. Welcome to our very first episode of the My Adoption Coach podcast. I'm so glad you've joined us. Being the type of A person I am, I had to start at the very beginning of the adoption process for our very first episode. Today, we're talking about the different types of adoption. The goal in today's episode is to help you figure out what type of adoption is right for you. And as always, I have you covered with a step-by-step process to make this critical step even easier. First, we're going to talk about the seven main types of adoption, and then we'll walk through an exercise that will help you determine which path is right for your family. And don't worry, you don't have to write everything down I'm going to share with you today because I made you an amazing free resource that is available at myadoptioncoach.com backslash adoption options. Say that 10 times fast, right? (laughs) Okay, as I said, there are two steps to the process of determining what adoption path is right for you. So let's get started with step number one. Step number one is getting a foundational understanding of the seven types of a domestic adoption. So the seven types are first, foster care, second, adopting from a relative, third, embryo adoption, fourth, private matching with an attorney, fifth, matching via consultant, sixth, matching via an agency, and seven, self-matching. So we're going to break down each one of these and talk about what it is, how much it costs, what are the typical wait times, and what can you expect from a contact perspective after finalization of the adoption. So let's dive right in to adoption type number one, foster care. Foster care technically means that a child is not eligible for adoption. Instead, they're in the foster care process or system, and the goal of that system is reunification, is getting those children back with their biological parents or a biological relative. In the case that that's not an option in that particular situation, then the child will become eligible for adoption. In order to adopt from foster care, most states require that you are foster parents. And most cases of adoptive children from foster care are from um, parents that have been fostering them throughout the entire process. The goal here really is to have less disruption to the child because that is overall what is best for their well-being. So now that we've talked a little bit about what foster care is, let's talk about how much it costs. So outside of the cost of, you know, creating a home suitable for foster care and all of those types of things, the actual fees to foster and or to finalize an adoption post foster care really range from free to about $5,000 for the court um, fees, for the attorney fees, things of that nature. From a wait time perspective, it is very dependent upon each individual state, but according to AdoptiveFamilies.com, about 64% of children, once they are eligible for adoption in the foster care system, are adopted within a year, and about 76% are adopted within two years. So again, this does not take into account, um, you know, any wait times of becoming an eligible family or things of that nature. It's just the finalization of the the adoption itself. 
from a contact perspective, of course, during um, the fostering process, reunification being the number one goal there, the court mandates the communication required with the biological family, with social workers, with doctors, with therapists, all of those types of, um, you know, specialized services to help this child through the process that they're in. But then after the finalization of the adoption, um, it does vary more times than not. There is very little to no contact. Um, but that is something that is individual case by case, and it's hard to give a hard and fast rule on that um, particular, uh, you know, contact levels. All right. So next, let's talk about adopting from a relative. So this is something that is very rare. And this is not something that you would, you know, probably actively pursue, right, as a, a type of adoption. But it is important that we talk about it because it, it does happen from time to time. So adopting from a relative is just that. It is just a way to quite honestly keep a child out of the foster care system and you become um, their legal guardian and then ultimately adopt them in hopes that they don't, um, you know, have to go through the foster care system to be adopted. The cost for this is about $5,000, maybe less, um, depending upon the attorney. But basically you're just filing the home study application going through that process, and then completing the required legal forms by the courts in your state. Um, from a wait time perspective, obviously, this is not really uh, applicable here. But if you want to think about wait time as it relates to adopting from a relative, then I would just think about the revocation period in your state. And in case revocation is a new term for you, that is the period of time that um, a birth family has to change their mind in the adoption process. Again, this varies dramatically by state. If you're looking for information on this, Google really is your best friend. You can just Google adoption laws and your state and you'll get a, a general sense of um, you know, the requirements in your particular state. So that's important. And then from a contact perspective, again, this is highly, um, highly unusual uh, type of adoption. So again, there's no hard and fast rule here. So I would just say it's what you agree to is the best way to think about contact when you're thinking about adopting from a relative. Okay, so now let's move into uh, the third type of adoption, which would be embryo adoption. So embryo adoption is really unusual in the sense that you are adopting genetic material, but yet you are carrying the child um, to birth or potentially you're leveraging a surrogate um, to help carry the child to birth. So um, if this is an option that you are interested in, I would definitely uh, do some more research, obviously beyond just this podcast, um, but I would look into embryoadoption.org. They have a great, um, you know, kind of wealth of knowledge there for you. To, to, to leverage as you go through your learning process. So again, embryo adoption, you are adopting embryos that were left over, quote unquote, um, by families uh, that are, you know, completed forming their family. I hate to use the word leftover because it makes them sound like they're forgotten. But I mean, the, the cold reality of it is that Sometimes families have more embryos than they desire to have children or than they feel equipped to parent. And instead of de destroying that genetic material, they choose to place it for adoption. There are two main paths for embryo adoption. Either you're going to work with your individual um, infertility clinic or you're going to work with an embryo adoption agency. 
With your infertility clinic, this is something that, you know, not all clinics offer, but sometimes clinics do choose to help other uh, families that are suffering from infertility through the process through this manner. Um, in our particular case with our infertility clinic, they told us the wait time was four years and they were actually pretty dead on because we got the call that um, we had been chosen right as um, we were, you know, adopting our, our son. So that is definitely an option. The other option is using an embryo adoption agency. Agency. You can think of an embryo adoption agency very similar to a private uh, adoption agency where you're adopting a newborn, a, an actual born child. <laughs> um, an embryo adoption agency is going to have similar requirements as it relates to passing a home study, background checks, um, potentially even contact after birth. That is really dependent upon um, each individual situation of what the biological family wants. They're also going to require you to do some pretty um, advanced, if you will, medical testing because they want to ensure that the embryos are going to go to a suitable host, that you'll actually be able to carry the embryo to term because, um, you know, the intention behind adopting an embryo obviously is a live birth and they want to ensure that you can be successful in doing that. So they're going to require you to do a mock transfer, to do a mock cycle, to make sure that, you know, everything is progressing nicely that your lining is, you know, getting thick enough and that with a scratch test of the lining that they feel like, you know, it'll be suitable for implantation. And they're going to require your doctor to share all of that information back with them so that um, they can feel comfortable that you're a viable candidate. So officially, when it comes to contact, um, it's going to vary based upon the biological family's wishes. So you can choose um, what type of contact you're comfortable with and then only be presented to families that meet that type of contact. Um, but if you're interested in this option, I would definitely recommend that you reach out to like Snowflake um, Adoptions or Angel Adoptions is sometimes what they're called, um, or the National Embryo Donation Center um, out of Tennessee. Those sources along with embryoadoption.org are really great sources for you to continue to learn more about embryo adoption. All right, let's move on on to option number four. So private matching with an attorney. So private matching with an attorney uh, may seem pretty similar to self-matching, which we'll talk about as um, option number seven in a few moments. But private matching with an attorney means an attorney has a pool or a list of expectant mothers that they are pairing with hopeful adoptive families. The attorney is doing the legwork and finding the families in this option rather than you finding the expectant mother, which is the main difference between this and self-matching. So when an attorney is finding um, an expectant mother, really th their goal is to find a great fit for both, right? Because most times they are representing or they have a partnership with someone who is representing the expectant mother. According to AdoptiveFamilies.com, the average price for um, adopting in this particular method is about $35,000. And they show that wait times are about a year and in about 60% of families will be matched within that year. 
From a contact perspective, this is again going to be highly dependent upon your individual situation, as you will find with most adoption types or adoption options. Um, in most cases these days, um, an adoptive uh, family tends to want some sort of contact and so does the expected family. So it's just really important that you're super clear on what you're open to so that you can ensure you find the right fit from the beginning. All right, let's move on to adoption option number five, which is matching via a consultant. So an adoption consultant basically represents your family to a bunch of different adoption agencies. So they're going to work with, call it 10 to 15 or maybe even more adoption agencies and share your profile and your requirements to see if they have a match that would be good for you. The criteria that they're going to share with adoption agencies will be things like what you're looking for in a match as it relates to budget contact, um, exposure levels, race, gender, um, all of those types of things are, are going to be criteria that they're going to share with an adoption agency in order to determine if you're a right fit on the surface. Um, I say on the surface because once you meet an expectant um, family through email or text or Zoom or or even in person, you're going to get a better idea if you're, you're really a right fit. But the consultant's uh, job is, is really twofold. One, to represent you to a large amount of adoption agencies so that you can move a bit faster. Um, and then secondarily, just to um, facilitate those initial conversations and ultimately get you matched um, into a, a successful adoption. From a cost perspective, um, how an adoption consultant works different than an agency is that they basically get a matching fee. So in that matching fee, depending upon the agency or consultant, it's going to run anywhere from five to $15,000. And it is also going to be variable because some agencies, and they do call themselves consultant agencies or consultants, um, do have a, a requirement for you to pay them per viewing or per initial conversation, or some others don't require payment until you've had a successful placement. So again, it's super important that you're really clear on the fee structure with that particular adoption consultant whenever you're having that initial conversation. The wait time with a consultant does vary, um, and it's not really something that's widely reported on. So I can just share, you know, some information that I have gathered from my clients. So some of my clients have matched as quick as like three months, and then others have been more close to the average wait time for like an adoption agency, which is about a year-ish. So again, it, it does really vary. Um, I will say that those particular clients were gender specific and pretty restrictive as it related to, um, you know, what race and exposure levels that they were open to. Um, so that does obviously dramatically impact your wait time. I talked a little bit about the cost. It ranges anywhere from five to $15,000. And the fees will be either based upon exposure or a number of times your family is shown or a successful match. 
And then from a contact perspective, it does, um, you know, really come back to what the agency you're working with requires, what the expected family wants, um, in order for you to, to know how your contact will run. Um, the other really important thing to think about as it relates to consultants is that you're also paying the fees for the adoption agency. So you may pay the consultant $10,000 for the match, and then your adoption agency that they match you with may also have setup fees um, as well as fees that are specific to that individual adoption opportunity. So on this, you know, kind of expense scale for adoption, adoption consultant is definitely one of the more expensive options, but you tend to match faster this way. And so sometimes it is, you know, worth it depending upon what are your motivators and criteria for your adoption journey. All right, let's move on to adoption option number six, matching via an agency. Now, this is the most common type of adoption that most people know about. Um, I will say that most people get turned off by the idea of an agency because they automatically assume that it is super expensive. So adoption via a private agency really just means that you are matching with an agency who is advertising their agency to expectant mothers to find potential matches for hopeful adoptive families. And the average cost for a private domestic adoption via an agency is about $41,000 according to AdoptiveFamilies.com. So if you remember matching with an attorney, private matching with an attorney was about $35,000 according to AdoptiveFamilies.com. Wait times for matching via an agency run about a year for about 60% of their families. And then another 20% of those families will be placed within two years. But I will say that this um, dramatically depends upon the exposure levels that your family is getting to expected families. And what this means is that um, different types of agent or adoption agencies will share your profile in one of two ways. Some agencies have a first come first serve basis while other agencies have a do you meet the criteria first basis. They will still then only show your profile depending upon where you are, quote unquote, in the line, but you have to meet the criteria for that particular particular adoption, you know, case first. So contact really, again, varies based upon what, um, you know, the expected family wants, but most adoption agencies now are requiring what they call semi-open adoptions, which means that you're willing to communicate through the agency and for pictures, letters, videos, things of that nature. And some agencies have even kind of changed the meaning of semi-open to mean that you are actually in communication directly with the birth family in some fashion. A lot of hopeful adoptive families choose the fashion of like a Google voice number or a Gmail account that is, you know, something generic like Sarah and John adopt, something along those lines, um, and not still have like direct day-to-day contact. But again, this is a highly individual choice that only you can make 
but you need to know what you're comfortable with so that you um, don't end up in a situation where you don't feel like you're equipped to parent or you don't feel comfortable with having conversations with the birth family, uh, but yet you're required to. So just be really clear on, on what's what's best for you and your family. Okay, so now let's move on to the final option, which is self-matching. So self-matching is pretty similar to matching privately with an attorney, except you are the one finding the expectant mother. And finding the expectant mother is, it's a whole nother journey, um, and it will be another episode that we'll talk about very soon. Um, but finding an expectant mother is, is pretty difficult, just to, to be totally frank. And that really impacts the wait times that you see with this option for adoption. So again, this is not something that is widely reported on, um, but I can share experience of my clients and friends who have done this. I've seen some move as fast as a month, and then I have other clients that have been waiting for a couple of years. And for those clients that have been waiting for a couple of years, the number one recommendation I have for them when we first meet each other is to focus on their adoption profile. And again, that's something we'll talk about in a future episode. Um, but if you've been waiting for a few years in the adoption process, your profile is where you've got to start digging in because your profile is the reason why you will get matched or not. And so um, obviously those families that I've met recently that have been waiting several years, that's where we're working hard together is on their profile. Uh, but back to self-matching. So self-matching again is you're finding your own expectant mother through social media. Typically, sometimes you're going to find them in person, which is totally random, but it's totally possible. So uh, as it relates to cost, it is a little hard to exactly pinpoint this. But based upon my experience, the average is about $20,000. Again, compared to private matching with an attorney, which was $35,000, or matching via an agency, which the average, according to AdoptiveFamilies.com, was about 41,000. So self-matching again, um, from contact level is really, you know, similar to the others. It's all about what you're comfortable with. But because you did initiate a conversation directly one to one on the beginning, I do find that most of um, the adoptive families that I work with that have self-matched their adoption have a greater level of contact after finalization than those um, people that might have adopted via an agency. Again, there's no black and white in adoption um, other than like once you're finalized or not. Um, so it is highly dependent upon each individual situation. Okay, so there you have it. We have talked about all seven types of adoption. And before we move on to step two, which is helping you pick which type of adoption is right for you, So let's take a quick break and listen to this important announcement from our sponsor, me, my adoption coach. Yeah, I know it's super funny that I'm sponsoring my own podcast, but I have that amazing free guide that walks you through how to determine which option is right for you over at myadoptioncoach.com backslash adoption options. Grab it today so you can determine which option is right for you. Okay, now back to our program. 
Now that we have a foundational understanding of each type of adoption, it is time to move on to step number two, vision casting. And listen, I know this may not be something that's for everyone and it may seem a little woo-woo, but let me tell you, it's really important that you choose the right path for your particular adoption journey. And in order to do that, you need to clearly visualize what you want life to be like at the end of this journey. After all, it is incredibly difficult to end up where you intend if you don't have a clear picture of where you're headed. The free workbook is going to walk you through this step by step, so don't worry, I always have your back. So first, I'd like for you to close your eyes, unless you're driving or running on a treadmill, please don't hurt yourself, but close your eyes and visualize what life is like at the end of this journey. Get really vivid with your detail here. How do you feel? Are you happy? Are you excited? What's your day like? What do you do as a family? What do you share with this child about their adoption? How involved are their first families in their daily lives? Next, I want you to write this out. Set a timer for 30 minutes and write everything that is in your heart, remembering that there's no right or wrong answer and no one can see what you're writing. And if you have a partner, it is important that they do this work too, and that the two of you compare your thoughts together so that you can begin to narrow down the list of adoption options that are right for you. So next, you want to get that list down to about two to three different options that you want to investigate more about. Keeping in mind the areas that we covered earlier as it relates to wait times, contact after birth, and cost. And speaking of cost... I would not rule an an option out entirely based upon cost. If you think something might be doable, go for it. Put together a plan. Get some sort of help and figure it out. This episode isn't about figuring out everything. It's just about getting started. And I hope you've done just that with this episode. You've gotten a foundational understanding of the seven types of adoption and learned how to take your vision of life at the end of this journey to determine what option is right for your family. I hope you now feel confident that you have the framework to help you decide what type of adoption is right for your family. And if you haven't grabbed that free guide, head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash adoption options to grab it. Or if you have any questions, feel free to join our free Facebook group. Just look for My Adoption Coach under the Facebook group option. We would love to have you join. Listen, adoption is hard, but it doesn't have to be. I'm always here to answer your questions and give you the step-by-step process and support you need on your adoption journey. Anything's possible with the right plan and support. You can do it and I've totally got your back.